Hey, this is Zen Perry. Thanks for listening to the Zen Perry Project. I have a few requests of you before we get into the show. First is go to Zen Perry Project, Z-E-N-P-E-R-R-Y Project on Instagram. Give us a follow. Second is make sure you follow and turn on notifications for our episodes wherever you listen to the Zen Perry Project. And third is share the show with somebody. Maybe send them an episode they'd be interested in. Without further ado, here's the show. Thanks for listening. Would you like to hear Breaking North ad-free? Become a patron today for bonus interviews, giveaways, and much more. Support spreading the word of your favorite creators. Head over to patreon.com slash breaking north. There is not a person out there that wouldn't like to learn to play the drums. Learn to play the drums from a working professional over Zoom. It's never been easier to book an affordable lesson than going to zendrumming.com. From seasoned professionals to those who haven't made the leap to buying their first kit. Learn to play your favorite music. Head on over to zendrumming.com to book a free consultation and two discounted intro lessons. Life is a hell of a lot more fun when you play some drums. So I am here with Courtney Scruggs. Am I saying that right? Scruggs? Yeah. yeah. Yes. Got it. Oh, so many nicknames as a kid. Yeah. Oh, Scrooge. Ah. Scruggs. I was like, I had nothing's coming to Scruggles. mind right now. <laughs> I wasn't one of those people that usually like made fun of people. So yeah. nothing, nothing clever came to mind. I was never the one to make fun of people. Yeah. I was on the receiving end of that conversation. <laughs> yeah, I get it. Yeah. I mean, growing up with the name Zen. Yep. Yep. I would just got the name like Hippie. It. And I was like, I had long hair at the time too. Mm-hmm. I was like, I, I get it. That's fine. Mm-hmm. It's whatever. Um, so you're a metalsmith, foundry worker, sculptor, painter, and jeweler. And there's actually more, right? Uh, do you also do some other stuff? That's a lot though. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I have a hobby management problem. A hobby management <laughs> problem. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and so I guess what did you start with? I started just with pencil, really. I mean, drawing was just kind of my go-to early on. Um, And the more I got into that, the more I got pushed into other things. Um, I've actually recently found uh, a sculpture piece that I didn't realize slash remember that I made from, like, middle school before I even considered myself an artist or, like, going into that field. I mean, I think when you're in middle school, you don't really, you don't really know what's going on. You're just Nobody along knows. for the ride. What so, was it? It was a, I was a group dancing. So like, I was on a dance team. We went to nationals and like, whatever. But uh, I had taken this art class and made uh, like, <laughs> essentially a dude on one hand, like, breakdancing and it was like paint splatter all over it and stuff and it just like was like really bad but what what was it made out of it was like paper mache oh yeah but i was like oh man like i was sculpting a lot earlier than i thought i was so that that was really interesting because in my evolution my head i didn't start sculpting until my last year of college and that's just like <laughs> fundamentally not true. So yeah. it's really interesting. 
how'd you find this? Like, where'd it come from? Did there, oh, it you know, your, your parents get tired of housing your things and they start throwing stuff at you. That's kind of how it happened. <laughs> yeah, they're like, can you just take your shit? Yep. Uh, get your shit and get out. <laughs> yeah. You, did you grow up in Santa Cruz? I actually, funny enough, just like a lot of other people on your podcast, was born in San Diego. Oh. Well, and, uh, yeah, yeah, I, I uh, was listening to a couple of the episodes and I was like, oh, Oh, another another San Diego, another San Diego. Oh, okay. I didn't mean to do that. Either. I know it's hilarious. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I was born in San Diego and then spent actually like my formative years in San Jose, and then when I turned sixteen, I you know well fifteen and a half, I got my permit. May or may not have driven with the permit to Santa Cruz every day. You know, uh, couldn't keep me out of Santa Cruz, so. I ended up moving here for my last two years of college and going to UCSC and graduating with a bachelor's in fine art. Wow. And did you know you were going to get into sculpting and all that? No. No. What was, yeah. what was the original intention? Well, I, I kind of glazed over. Uh, yeah, I yeah. went back to San Diego for yeah, two years okay. and um, went to Mesa College and knew I wanted to do art and got really into painting and um, printmaking, essentially like intaglio printmaking, which is a, a either copper or zinc plate. I think it's zinc. Um, anyway, doesn't really matter. I got really into that art form, ended up transferring up to UCSC because they have such a prolific print department. And it's just like this beautiful studio and it's huge and they have so many more resources than Mesa College did. And so I was like, yeah, this is going to be awesome. And I got to UCSC and I went to, you know, get on the computer and get into my classes and they're full. Okay, well, I'll try again next quarter. They're full. Okay, well, I'll try again next quarter. They're full. And I couldn't take any print classes. I took one screen printing class that I ended up really not enjoying. I was very, very, very into the intaglio thing. Um, and I took one, another intaglio what, class. What does intaglio make? Like what? Um, I, I get it's a print, but. They're metal prints, which is kind of maybe where, where the transition is there to, now I am primarily a metalsmith. Um, but it's essentially a metal plate that you etch in acid and then you rub pigment into the recesses where the acid etched the plate and then it prints on a piece of paper. Oh. That's like the really, really, really short version of that. Okay. Um, but so I, I just love that process. I really liked kind of the, the process of it all. Uh, there's, if there's one thing that I really enjoy about artwork, it's getting my hands dirty and really like taking the time to make something beautiful. And I like when a thing takes longer than it should for some reason. Maybe I'm just, you know, a glutton for punishment, but that's just generally all of the art forms that I love the most are the most process oriented, like time consuming things you could possibly do. Or they can really burn the shit out of your hands. Yes. That's that's part of it yeah, as well. Yeah, a little danger, you know. Yeah, I uh, I want I want to start. I think I was saying something else, but I want to start here. Okay. Uh, Skyla and 
Charabdis. Charabdis. Ah, yes. I, I saw like three different ways to say this. Yes. And on YouTube, and I was like, I, I'm just going to give it a go. It's so funny. Um, Tell me about the story of that. Scylla and Charybdis. Thank you. Yes. Scylla. Um, Scylla. Yeah, there's a thousand different ways to pronounce it. There are a thousand different versions of the same story. Mm -hmm. um, but essentially, Scylla is is the, you know, like, personification of Hell Hath No Fury, like a woman's scorn. And she was cursed by another god, you know, Greek mythology. Everything's all messed up. One of the guys. woman's always the bad guy. Mm -hmm. Or the beautiful one, and that's, that's the that's extent it. of their character development. Yeah. So it actually started as a deep delve for me into a little more morbid, a little more... Um, Essentially, the uh, what happens to our bodies when we die and how we put them in a little box and we don't let anything touch them and it's sacred. Instead of allowing nature and other beings feed off of our decay, we like selfishly box it we don't let anything touch it and um that's kind of actually where my mind was when i first started that piece and then my um uh let's just say he's my cousin because uh, family trees you know but uh my cousin philip <laughs> uh actually said oh well you should look into the story of scylla and and i took a deep dive into that whole realm and I was like, oh my gosh, it's perfect. And it's it's uh, now a little bit for me in my brain, a little bit more of like a, a narrative of, of... So what did, she, what did she do? Like what's the, what's the general... Oh, what's the story? Yeah, what's the general gist of the story? <sighs> or, or what did you take away from it? Yeah, so one version of this story is that she fell in love with a god and that god was dating someone else. As they do. Uh-huh. And that woman, who is, I think, Charybdis, I could be getting this wrong, but um, cursed Scylla to go from being this beautiful nymph to being a sea monster. And Charybdis and uh, Scylla sit on alternate sides of the strait of... Oh my gosh, I'm forgetting what the name is. Anyway, it's this little strait down in, uh, near Sicily in Italy. And they sink ships. And it was a um, narrative of essentially teaching sailors to not, or to be wary when going through the strait because essentially there's tons of rocks. Um, and so I thought that was all very interesting, especially I am also a licensed Coast Guard captain, 50 ton vessel, whatever. So I'm very into the nautical themes and the sailing and the you know, ocean and this, that, and the other. So it all kind of just... Yeah. So you made a sculpture from this story. Yeah. And it's it's really incredible. Oh, thank you. Yeah. And it has, so half of a woman's face and half of her face is, I guess, uh, showing her skull. Yeah. And then also tentacles all around and there's flowers involved. Yes. And it's very, very intricate. She's like decomposing essentially, but in a beautiful way, which is 
which is what I find fascinating is that we, you know, stick ourselves in these little boxes when we die and we don't allow nature to take over the way that we probably should. I want, uh, it's not, it's not called a, a live burial, but it's where you d- they just put you in a bag and then they bury you six feet down. Yep. yep. I've always wanted that. I'm like, I don't want to. Don't animated. even put me in a bag, man. Just like throw me yeah. in the ground or in the ocean. Let, let sharks and whatever feed on me. That sounds great. That does that. That seems maybe more appropriate, but yeah, I think. Yeah. It's a good yeah. call. Yeah. And I, not that many people consider that. I think, uh, I mean, actually, I really don't care what happens to me when I die particularly. I think it's not really up to me. I don't really think I want to be lit on fire. That doesn't sound very it fun It doesn't to me sound like not that anything else is enjoyable and I don't I don't know what happens to us when we die but um but being alive getting lit lit on fire having or done that to myself <laughs> yeah. it's not very enjoyable yeah. so you you've know, probably done that to yourself more than most people uh, probably more than most people although not very often I mean, I like burn my fingers and stuff. I barely have any fingerprints left, but that's cool. I don't like light myself on fire that often. I'm a little more careful than that. So the whole reason why I wanted to, and just kind of, we were talking about this before. Mm-hmm. The whole reason why I wanted to have this interview with a metal worker or a metal smith, mm-hmm. which I'm just starting to figure out differences and the nuance to both of those is my buddy took me to his, well, his anvil and his forge and he had me make a nail. And I was doing so good about not, you know, touching anything and weren't using gloves or like really anything. And then the nail came out of, I'm not sure what it's called, but and then it popped on the ground and I was so stoked after an hour and a half of pounding. I just like almost picked it up and he's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> it was yeah. great. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't look hot. No, it doesn't. <laughs> and then we put it in the water and it was like obviously bubbling. Yeah. yeah. Totally. Um, so yeah, I can imagine it's pretty, and pretty pretty easy to burn yourself in general yeah but you get it it's really easy to burn yourself but after enough years you kind of either get used to it and just deal with it or learn to put on a pair of gloves (laughs) (laughs) so how long have you been doing this so you you have your own studio I have my own studio uh but it's not the same as where I do the large-scale casting. So I work at a foundry part-time, which is where we do bronze and aluminum casting here in Santa Cruz. It's called the Bronze Works. And um, essentially, I work there part-time, and then I have my own studio where I do small metal casting, so jewelry-type stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, And That's what, not studio? That's what, not studio. Yes. Okay. And um, so... Uh, that's where I do all of the finishing work, all my sculpting, everything, and then I take everything to the foundry to have it cast or cast it because I do everything myself. Cool. Then who runs who runs that one? Uh, the foundry. Yeah. Uh, Sean Monahan, and he teaches up at UCSC. He teaches the foundry class and sculpture, um, and is generally a wonderful human being. Um, it's so funny. I like uh, when I was in college, I. I had a job and, and taught sailing and, and got my captain's license. And I ended up a couple of years ago, three or four years ago now, um, kind of giving up sailing to focus on my art full time. And so now I always joke, I'm like, oh yeah, I gave up like the male dominated world of, of captaining for something way easier, like metal work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
but it's just like, I don't know. Here's one of those badasses. I, well, I just don't see you it don't as see a it like gender thing. No. And it's it's challenging when other I people do. I think that's do. the badass part. You're just not seeing it like that. And you're, yeah. not like, you're not like, I'm trying to just do this to like show anybody. You're like, fuck it, this is like what I this want to do. This is what I like doing. Yeah. And, and I don't see why I shouldn't be able to do it. Yeah, and you're, so both of those things are very hands-on. Mm-hmm. So you just, you were into that sort of stuff. And you said you danced before. Ah, uh, yeah. Um, so I pretty much have been dancing since the age of like, I think three or four. My, my oh. mom put me in like tap shoes and made me do the little classes and stuff and and then got into competing and then uh have done almost every dance style as well as art form you know I started in ballet and tap and then got into jazz and lyrical and hip-hop and and then in my adult life I was like oh well you know like for a while there it wasn't cool for an adult to be in hip-hop class I was like oh that's kind of weird so I was like okay well what can I do that's like more quote-unquote adulty and I got really into salsa dancing. And so I did salsa dancing for like 10 years and was on a team for about two months and then realized, oh man, I really, really enjoy doing this when it's for fun and not like strict, like it's like a job again. And it's like, okay, I'm gonna peel it back and kind of keep keep it as a fun thing. Yeah, focus on what you actually, I, I don't know, it's something that doesn't seem like a job. So. I'm assuming you don't really see metalworking as so much of a job, but it is. It it is. Ebbs and flows. What does it feel like for you? Yeah, it really it really depends because the process is so lengthy. There are definitely parts that feel like a job, and then there are parts that feel like I'm back in middle school in the art class and just sculpting away. How so. how much a percentage of your time is probably like spent? kind of just creating messing around kind of or like you get the ideas for these sculptures because i'm sure nobody really necessarily said do these ones that are for sale on your site mm, no yeah so how much um, is the percentage of that and then how much is like the jewelry and commissions and oof, this is the part where the podcast gets really dark and horrible because the percentage of the creative time that i have is probably like 10 percent in comparison to all the extras that go into it and the you know, promotional stuff, marketing and business and taxes and this and that, and you know, all the minutia that goes into running a small business, which is essentially what an artist is, is their own, their own tiny little self made small business. And so I would love to be doing more of the creative side of things. Um, and that is definitely a goal for the next year for me personally. Um, but yeah. Oof. Hey, it's, it's, it's good for people to hear. And honestly, yeah. 10, 10% is better than some other people it's I've interviewed true. for this. So, it's true. Uh, it's just it's part of how it goes. And I think at some point, you know, either you retire or you just take a break and do something else for a little while and it can just be a hobby again. Yeah. Um, that is one thing. Like, I am never working on less than probably like 10 different projects at the same time. Damn. So in different parts of the process. So there's like the sculpting and the molding and the wax casting. And then the, I'm not going to get too far into this 
rabbit hole of awfulness of trying to explain the casting process because it's going to be really boring and I'm going to lose everybody. I was going to ask like very specific questions. I was like, for an audio format, it's probably not going to... Oh man, unless you want to put everybody to sleep. It's like not great. I think I found it really interesting. It's it's more of a... It looks so cool too. It'd be a really great video. Yeah. Which is actually like, I've been doing this collaboration with Alex over the last however many months now. I definitely want to talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. um, That will be really fun because it's a video format and it will hopefully be edited down into a very short little clip and it'll like be nice tied in a cute little bow and like yeah. be really great and succinct and you can cut out all the boring things or like like it'll turn a part of the process that normally takes eight hours into a three second clip which yeah. is kind of breaks my soul a little bit but um is also just way, the way of the world yeah. way better for explaining things uh, let's go. Let's go into that. So Alex Wong, Upcycled Skate Art. Yeah. Interviewed him. That was super cool. And he was gushing about your work. Oh. <laughs> like the the two times I talked to him, he's like, you need to have Courtney on. <laughs> like that's that's who you need to have on. I was mm. like, okay. All right. Well, it takes good people to know good people. Yeah. So how'd you guys? How'd you guys first meet? <laughs> actually, this is a hilarious story. I don't think he actually told me. So. No. So he was in the welding shop and uh, ran into my partner, Matt Spivak, who is a metal fabricator and was explaining something he was trying to do to the guy in the welding shop and seemed kind of artsy. And, and my partner, Matt, is, is um, let's just say very uh, outgoing and chatty and... He was like, hey, what are you trying to do? And he's like, oh, I'm trying to do this thing. Like, oh, my girlfriend casts metal. You should talk to her. Here's her name and contact information and blah, blah, blah. And you should come by the shop sometime. And here's like, we should have a beer. And so I think if I remember this correctly, he actually invited Alex back to his shop, like directly after meeting him. They hung out. He got a hold of me. And I came by his studio off 17th to essentially like check out what he was doing. And we started getting into the casting conversation. And I was like, oh, well, if you're going to do this, then you got to do this and this. And if you're going to do this, you might as well do this and so on and so forth. And then uh, we ended up seeing each other again at the Capitol Art and Wine Festival because we both had booths there. And that night he texted me and he was like, do you want to collaborate? I've got this idea, but I feel like you're going to be way like more tech savvy about like the casting part and it'd just be really fun to work together. And so that's the long and short of the whole thing. And I'm just so grateful that Matt talked to him that day because he's just such a gem of a human. Yeah, he's very approachable too. Yeah. Yeah, his shop is so cool. Yeah, and he's just the right amount of creative and professional. And it's so hard to come by in this town sometimes. I agree. Yeah, because he started off doing... He was kind of in the tech world a little bit. Mm-hmm. Or um, he was kind of uh, trying to get into basically non-artistic related stuff. Yeah, well... And so that project, we could talk about it a little bit, right? Yeah, like I think the, so. Before the three-second video comes out. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's supposed to be basically... Uh, trucks like skateboard trucks turn into some sort of skeleton that as far as yes um so what we're gonna do is we're taking um the hangers and creating 
a spinal column out of them, and they're going to come up into this um, cast aluminum skull. So, you know, you can kind of picture, you know, a spinal column with a skull on top of it. And the skull is going to be cast from the recycled aluminum truck parts. So the whole thing will be essentially an upcycled piece. Hence, Alex and upcycled. Wow. Is he applying any of the decks to it, or is it this is just all gonna be metal? Um, yeah, we have diff. We have like I think six or seven different renditions of the same piece that we're hoping to do, and you know, that's cool. have some sort of gallery opening type thing. Yeah. Um, a little wall of uh, spinal columns. And yeah. <laughs> so, so we have some wall-mounted ones we're trying to do, and some freestanding, and some pedestal pieces, and um, some other little like goodies that you know i won't I'll, I'll leave it up to the imagination and and make sure you all come if and when it ever actually happens but oh, it's gonna happen uh yeah it's just the process takes a really long time um so i can know, imagine we're we're working on it slowly but surely that was the thing too when i was talking like to him about like what's what's the hardest project and he's like dude this thing has been keeping me up at night <laughs> He's like, I don't, I don't know. That was, uh, was a few months ago. Yeah. But it was cool to just see him just like, how do I do this? Like, what are we trying to do? Yeah. How do you make this look like this? And uh, Yeah, it's going to be really cool. And like, it's really fun because um, I used to have this community of artists down when I lived in San Diego. Mm-hmm. And we would, you know, sit in a friend's garage and just doodle and draw and like, put paper up on the wall and, and, and be really creative. And it was always fun and energetic and we all fed off of each other. And I haven't really felt like I've had a community like that until meeting two people. Uh, one of which is my best friend, Darcy Shea Bogdan, who's mm-hmm. a jeweler and a metalsmith as well, but, um, jewelry and, um, and Alex. And it's just so fun to like, have that creative flow and energy and like be talking to somebody and and say oh da, 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 i have this idea da, 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 da. and then and then it's always oh that's really cool but what if and then like yeah da, 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 and it just like explodes into this whole other thing and and i feel like that's how it is when i talk to alex and I, when i talk to darcy and it's just like oh my gosh and that makes me think of this and what if but what if we did this and what if this happened and it's just like whoa like your brain just starts exploding with all of these different ideas and and you feed off one another and it's just really really refreshing yeah it's hard to find it's hard to find a little community like that especially when you're all kind of doing very similar things mm-hmm. I, I tend to like because in like the drummer community uh we all know each other like each other and stuff like that but i wouldn't say all the drummers like go out and drink together no unless we're at a show like yeah. playing shows is like we'll talk shop but it's hard to find those like those you know those people mm-hmm. you really really vibe with. Yep. Totally. So back in San Diego, so I guess what was it like growing up for you? What were your parents like? Like what what kind of kid were you? Oh, great question. Any any of those questions? Yeah. Um, I was. I like to watch other people make mistakes and then try to avoid them. Like that's the kind of kid I think I was. Like, I, I'd watch my brother, like, do BMX stuff and, like, fall. And I'm like, mm, yep, nope, not doing that. 
you know, I, I, I don't know. I like, I like to just watch and then try to repeat and not fail. And failure has always been like a really hard thing for me. And, and it's so big in, in art. Like yeah, if you're not failing, you're not trying hard enough. That's and, like the only thing that really happens for a long time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's just trial and failure and trial. Okay. Well, okay. What did I learn? Okay. Now what? Okay. I will learn this from this. Okay. Now what? And, um, so your brother did BMX? Is that just a hobby? Or? It was, yeah, just a hobby. I mean, yeah. he also did hockey and all these other things. But um, I was really grateful because my parents, like, our house growing up was the fun house. Like, we had a pool and a trampoline. And, like, my parents kind of just let us do whatever we wanted. And on the other end of that, they also were incredibly adamant about being moral and right and fair and all of these things and like I just feel really lucky to have grown up the way that I did with the parents that I did that's so cool yeah and they were they supportive of I mean they brought you to dance they were they always kind of supportive of you did they did they have any ideas of where you were going to take your life or goals for you I think I think they've they've always been supportive and and like along those same lines of like them like me being really grateful for them and the way that they were with me growing up like they never treated my brother and I differently and I think that's why I'm so adamant about doing whatever I want to do regardless of whether or not it's a male dominated industry is like like they never treated us any different because you know my brother was a boy and I was a girl just and on the same lines like we both were given names that were non-gendered Courtney and Morgan are both male and female names Mm -hmm. which I think is really cool um and so I'm really grateful for that but uh I kind of got off topic there anyway uh, I guess that's the whole point right right. um uh yeah they they just were really good about being supportive but I think they have been and still are a little hesitant because it's really hard to make a living as an artist. It is. It is. How long have you been doing it? Nearly impossible. Like how long have you been I guess making a living or I mean I built my first website in high school so I've been like wow. selling my work since then. Um and I have had other jobs and whatever and, you know, done the Santa Cruz five jobs and three hobbies thing. I just got, I have a stack of W-2s over there. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't even know where to start. Yeah. I was like, I don't even remember working that job this I know, last right? year. Yeah. It's like, uh, okay, well. Yeah. Wow, that was this year, huh? Yeah, exactly. It's, um, it is the Santa Cruz thing because it's so expensive to live here. And it's such an entrepreneurial, artistic town, or maybe just artistic, and you need to figure out how to make it make Well, money. yeah. I mean, I, uh, I don't want to get into it too far, but yeah. I have a lot of thoughts and opinions on that. Yeah. Well, that, like what? <laughs> <laughs> I can't just not. <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, God. You can do a short version, whatever. Okay, so long story short, I love Santa Cruz for its authenticity and weirdness and all of these things and it's just really hard watching tech take it over and push all of the creative out because that's essentially what they're doing when they're overpaying for homes by 15 to 20 percent 
and it's just really hard for me to watch, especially since I lived in San Jose for 13 years. And it's like, it's these people that like, oh my gosh, I love Santa Cruz because it's weird and it's authentic and like it's artsy and da da da. So I want to go there. I want to live there. And so they go and they buy these houses and they don't even live in them. They're their second houses. And they outbid everyone and they're essentially driving what they like about Santa Cruz out of Santa Cruz. And it's just so frustrating that they don't even see it. It's like typical engineer brain, like, I love the thing, so I'm going to do the thing. And it's like, oh, you can't see the with forest like, for the with trees. blinders on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So rough. I agree. So rough. Well, they haven't really, uh, this is very generalizing, but they haven't really, like, put themselves into the community to see how mm-hmm. it is changing when mm-hmm. nobody can afford to live here. And then it's like, so they, like, it's like, it's, uh, it's total tech mentality. It's like, oh, we've created a problem, so let's make a patch to fix the problem. We'll just give them subsidies. And it's like, no human wants to live on subsidies. Like, that's not a very, like, I don't know. It's not humanizing. No. Yeah. Like, it's like, oh, you can't afford oh your life. give yeah. me your charity. It's like, no. Pay money for the thing that you love and don't... Uh, anyway. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. I get it. Um, yeah. I'm sure you do. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, I'm not from here, so I also feel like, to some extent... Uh, I'm not people, from here either. Yeah. I, I, most people... A lot of people are from San Diego, as I've figured mm, out. Yeah. Um, but yeah, a lot of people I know are in the artistic community, so... Yeah. It just makes sense like that. So, sailing. Anyway. Let's go into sailing. Because that yeah. is a really cool Santa Cruz thing. Yes, it is a very uh, cool Santa What Cruz is SC-27? Um, Santa Cruz 27, it's a 27-foot sailboat built and designed here in Santa Cruz, and it's one of my favorite boats. It's the boat I learned how to sail on, Um, and I used to do SC-27 Nationals almost every year. Um, I started out racing boats. I had a family friend. That's what that is, Nationals is racing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Because I can't do anything unless I do it 110%. So I go into sailing and I just start racing because why not? Um, go into dance and I start team. It's like, so it's oh, a quick God. way to learn if you're just like, oh, I'm going to start racing. Like Yeah. Yeah. So I had a family friend that taught me how to sail and he essentially said to me, hey, I heard you just moved to Santa Cruz. Um, we have a race this weekend and I'm short on crew. Can, can you come and fill in? And I was like, I don't know how to sail. And he's like, I thought you went out because his son lived in San Diego and sailed on in San Diego. And um, and I'd gone with him a few times. But um, the only things he ever taught me about sailing was that it's a myth that the boat runs on um, on wind. It actually runs on alcohol because <laughs> that's semi true in San Diego because there's hardly any wind there. And then the second thing was that... Uh, um, Girls are for sitting on the deck and looking pretty, and the boys are the ones that sail. Jesus. And he's going to hate me that I said that out loud. But it's true. That's what I he told say me. things. Anyway, so his dad was like, I don't care. I don't care what you don't know. Like, just come out. We'll teach you everything you need to know. And essentially, I came out, and he was like, pull on that. Let that out. Dad. Just was yelling and 
you know, it was just so fun and so energetic and such a awesome team dynamic. And it was the first time in a long time that anyone had ever, you know, treated me equally, which is kind of how I was raised. And it just was so um, addictive. I don't know. Uh, and so I joined their team and sailed with them for, gosh, like seven years or something and raced and it was so fun. And then I got so into that, that I actually was on the docks all the time and got hired by the manager of Chardonnay to start, um, doing charters on Chardonnay, moved from second mate to first mate to actually managing, um, the boat for a little while. And then eventually got to a point where I just had fallen off the art game and and had kind of a come to Jesus moment and it's like no 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 I need to quit this so that I can focus on art full time again because that's really what I'm passionate about. Wow so seven years before you went to the Chardonnay which by the way is, is that right? Uh no they those things overlapped got it. but yes uh, it's so all also intermingled. for people that are I don't know, like my parents. Uh, the Chardonnay uh, is the charter boat in Santa Cruz that goes out for two hours, right? And mm-hmm. they serve booze and food. Yep. And they got, what is it? It's like a 40-something? No, 50, how, how big is that boat? Uh, it's a Santa Cruz 70. Oh. It was um, built by Billy Yachts and was, is the same hull design as that 27. So, so these were... These boats were made in Santa Cruz. Yes. I am getting that now. That's yeah. That's what it stands for. Um, and actually, so... That's cool. So I, I started know. on the 27, ended up, you know, working on Chardonnay, which is a Santa Cruz 70, and it's the same hull design as um, the Merlin, which held the record from uh, in for the Transpac for like 22 years, I think. Don't quote me on that, but um, was revolutionary to boat design. Essentially, they... What is the Transpac? Uh, Transpac is a race from mainland to Hawaii. Huh. And it takes, like, a week or two. I mean, that is completely changed now because of this revolutionized whole design where, essentially, um, these guys just ended up getting together and thinking, like, well, what if we built sailboats like we built surfboards? and made them super ultra light. And everyone in the industry laughed at him and said, no, 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 you can't do that thing. That thing's gonna fall apart. It's gonna, you know, the second you hit anything in the middle of the ocean, because inevitably you're gonna hit something in the middle of the ocean, it's gonna fall apart and sink and you're done, you know? Not not just done, but dead. And they did it and they beat that record by like a substantial amount. And it completely changed the way that the sport of uh, racing and sailing was. When did that happen around? Oh, boy. You are challenging me with numbers. Yeah. Um, I uh, Probably 70s, oh, I mean, like, 70s, for... 80s, okay. yeah. I think. Yeah. I'm just 60s, like, is 70s, that, 80s. Is that like 10 years ago or 40? No, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. Around there. Yeah. Um, and so Chardonnay was... Hull number 19 of 19. They only ever made 19 of those sailboats. And it was designed for Chardonnay Sailing Charters to be a race boat designed for charters. And so it is a race boat that you get to go out on. It's a very unique experience. Like, I sound like I work there still. But 
it's it's a really fun boat and a dream to drive. It, it's very fun. Mm-hmm. I got to drive it on my birthday. Oh, really? Uh, that was fun. Yeah. yeah. Had a yeah. good time with that. And um, so, yeah, sailing has just always been part of your life and it goes into your art. So what other sort of pieces can you think of like off the top of your head that were like nautical themed or any of these stories that you kind of... Well, most of them. Most of them, yeah. <laughs> Most of them are ocean inspired. Um, I actually ended up doing a... Um, artsy version of a plaque for the yacht club the santa cruz yacht club um my one of my mentors who passed a few years ago rob schuyler um got me a commission through the yacht club to make a plaque about all of the boats that were made in santa cruz and it's out in public so you can go check it out it's on fourth street right above the the yacht club and so that piece was really, really fun to work on with the Altmans. Um, and so that, that is, you know, that was a really fun experience because it got to merge the two things I love the most, my, you know, my sailing and, and my bronze casting. And, and so that was really fun. And a mentor for kind of mm-hmm. getting that together. That's, that's such mm-hmm. a cool thing at the place that you worked at. That's yeah. Rad. Yeah, it was, it's like definitely near and dear to my heart for sure. And uh, like really grateful to him for being such an incredible person. Great. Yeah. Um, so another piece that comes to mind is the ninety-nine percent sure this is yours. It's on the wharf. Oh, so I did not design that, oh, but I did work on it for like over two years. Um, so that piece was designed and built by Sean Monahan, who owns the Bronze Works. Um, but I did a lot of the sculpting on that piece. And one of my very first jobs at Bronze Works when I first started working there, um, which is actually kind of another funny story, uh, but one of my first jobs was adding barnacles to the feet of that thing. And then over the period of a couple years, I ended up sculpting the majority of the crab that's on there and helping... um, create the the large like 12 foot span octopus it was really fun yeah it's huge and it's in front of what restaurant yeah, well it used to be alita's? yeah yeah it's right underneath alita's mm-hmm. uh, it's so cool to look at. i remember like when i first moved to santa cruz i'm like oh, look at that thing it's pretty wild yeah my um my brother's a engineer type my brother's an engineer my dad's an engineer my boyfriend's an engineer i'm just surrounded by them same i have that's and uh, uh, my parents are yeah and i remember when we finished that thing i think it was like 2015 i got a call from my brother and he was like courtney that sculpture you did it's on the front page of reddit and i was like what what's reddit (laughs) (laughs) he's like it's the front page of the internet it's on the front page of the internet and he was like freaking out and sending it to me and it's actually been up on the front page of reddit a couple times since then it just keeps like kind of popping up as you know like some cool wow, shit. Wow, look at this crazy thing somebody designed. It and, really is cool. And Sean is is computer averse. So I'm always like, yeah, this was done by Sean Monahan and the browser, like type it out and send it so that everybody knows like who it actually came from cuz cuz the most common thing is like, oh, that plumber's probably so mad and it's like, no, no, that's not no. <laughs> yeah, I love those dumbass comments yeah, online. Yeah, you know. Yeah, you have no idea what you're talking about. Exactly. Yeah, you didn't seal over or anything. Yep. <laughs> but it, um, 
Yeah, it started out much smaller than it actually ended up becoming. Um, The piece was supposed to be just like, I don't know. Like a little octopus. Like a little, yeah. And it's actually the third octopus fountain that Sean has created. The first two are in his shop in Bronzeworks. And they are maybe a foot by two feet. And this one was supposed to be just a little bit bigger than that. And it's now like, I think 900 and something pounds. Almost a thousand pounds and what is it like huge? It's like what, six, eight, feet? maybe six feet by four feet yeah. by eight feet. It's just a sprawling, yeah, it's gymangus. And you made the crabs, and I and some suckers, yes. I put all of the suction cups on the large octopus, and I did a lot of the texturing and sculpting, and it was a uh, a very fun and arduous endeavor. <laughs> kind of when I'm thinking of your pieces now, it seems uh, at first glance that you're, I don't know, you're very, very into the detail work. Mm-hmm. Do you do you make anything large? Is there something you like more about doing detail versus large scale? Um, for me, I love when you look at a piece and the design is is good enough to where it leads your eye around the piece and you can... You can see it and then walk away and then come back and notice something different and then walk away and come back and notice something different. And like that to me is, is my ideal art piece is, is something that keeps you invested in it. And so most of my pieces start as a larger conceptual design and as it goes, it gets more detail and more detail and more detail and more detail until I literally can't fit anything else on it. Yeah. Like the the first piece we were talking about, Skyla, which I'm going to say is Scylla. Mm-hmm. Scylla. Uh, Scylla. Mm-hmm. God damn it. Um, <laughs> like that, that piece, I, I've, I've looked at it so many times now as I was preparing for this. And then today was really the first day I was like, there's flowers. And those are big. There's flowers? Isn't there? I don't think there's flowers. But, uh, you know, uh, it's all up to interpretation, too. Like, I was looking at a lot of the phone. things that I put on my sculptures are not necessarily real things. I'm, like, really influenced by Ernst Haeckel, if you know Who's, who that is. I do not. Ernst Haeckel was a scientific illustrator gone rogue. He, um... A scientific illustrator gone rogue? Yeah. How do you go more rogue than that? Uh, because he started out drawing scientific illustrations of little tiny you know microscopic microorganisms essentially and um i if i remember this story correctly oh i've read a, a bunch a of this <laughs> my bad oh the the yep. kind of nautilus shape yeah i was wrong okay sorry the guy's name again anyway ernst Haeckel, he's great and he, so he was drawing microscopic. He was doing scientific illustrations, you know, and um, if I remember the story correctly, his wife passed away tragically, um, I think maybe in childbirth or something like that, and he just kind of went nuts. And he made the cognitive decision like, okay, if this microorganism can exist, then why can't this exist? And he just started drawing out of his imagination instead of drawing what he saw and the scientific illustration community was like screw you you can't do that and the the artist community was like yes 
come to the dark side. Oh my god. <laughs> and so I have like four of his books. I've always wanted the big giant um hardcover book of his, but oh my god. Hopefully somebody out there listening will buy you it. <laughs> Hint, hint, nudge, yeah. nudge. No, um, I got the four books actually for Christmas from Matt. He, that was a really, really great gift. So I'm, I'm You're happy. satiated. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, just an incredible inspiration to me and in my work. And if you look at, at his scientific illustrations, it will completely click as to like what my pieces look like. It's like oh yeah, yeah, that makes sense. How do you come across this person? Um, I learned about Ernst Haeckel, I think I was doing a collaboration in college with uh, one of the grad students, uh, Jean Felice, and I think, I think Jean introduced me to his work. I'm not entirely sure, but I think that's, you know, sometimes it's like, it's just the universe brings it to you, and sometimes there's yeah. an actual human that... You, like, hear it a couple times in passing, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden you, you finally find mm-hmm. it. And it could very well have been that I was, like, making these weird little diatomes or something, and he was like, have you ever seen Ernst Haeckel? You know, chicken or the egg situation, I'm not sure. Exactly. And while we're on the topic, so what, what other sorts of uh, inspirations or, like, kind of... Do you, do you read a lot, watch a lot of movies? Is there something that kind of more or less goes in I'm, I'm sure you get inspiration from everywhere um I would love to read more I watch a fair amount of you know garbage tv well not really I mean I my so if you see my work mm-hmm. you can tell that my brain is moving a thousand miles a minute and so I like to put things on in the background my mom always did this growing up. She would like have a TV show on and never watch it. It's like, mom, why are you doing this? It's just like background noise. And I think she grew up in a large family. She was one of 11 kids. And so I think having sound was just very comforting to her. And so she would just put TV on and like not ever actually watch it. And so now so I my do that did. all yeah. the time. Like I'll have a show running in the background, but be so focused on my sculpture that it's like, Somebody asks me what's going on in the show, and I'm, I, I don't know, you know. Just there. So, I like, I like finding like a series that's like, fourteen seasons long, and just putting it on, and you know, subliminal. Yeah, just just keep it going. So, I guess I don't know any anything come to mind or like I guess as far as inspiration. It, yeah, because I guess most, it's so nautical themed and stuff like that. Do you like study with anybody? Is there any well, not, I guess not study with anybody. Is there something you're specifically thinking of when you're kind of coming up with the pieces or is it just things that come to your head? Um I let's see. That's a good question. I'm very influenced by obviously like the ocean and and my community and and sometimes very morbid things and I think um, I think it just kind from? of comes to me. Where did that come from? The, the morbid the stuff. The morbidity, yeah. Because um, you, you seem like a generally positive. Yeah, and I, person. I, it doesn't. There's not. There's of course a yin and yang too, but yeah, I don't. I don't think. I, that they're not synonymous you know I, I think you can can have a morbid sensibility and still be a positive person 
Um, I think it's just, it's impossible to know what happens when we die. And so I find that endlessly creative. Like the possibilities are just, you know, it could be this or it could be that. And, and, and thinking about that is both terrifying and wonderful all at the same time. Mm-hmm. So I think maybe that's where it stems from is just that because we don't know, it's interesting to me. So you're kind of just dealing with that mm-hmm. in its own way and yeah. through your art. And... I like unanswered, que- unanswerable questions. Yeah. I, uh, I always thought these, the, the stories of people who like have died, like there's a kayaker. Yeah. I don't know. There's like one show on Netflix. I watched the first episode. So cool. It was about like people who died, came back. Mm-hmm. Um, second episode is terrible, so I stopped watching. But <laughs> first one was like a kayaker who was in Pretty water terrible. for like 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. And they're, everything is just like, they're like, yes, totally bliss. Like, I, I like saw everything, talked through everything. and Yeah. It, it's a, yeah, pretty endlessly cool topic to think about. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's part of, you know, yeah. I mean, obviously with Scylla, like, it's that mixed with the ocean, mixed with, you know, my fascination of diatomes and, you know... Just, and it's a great story too. You it's know? a great story. It's like it's all of the. Th- it's an amalgamation of so many different things. Yeah, it almost like kind of seems like you're like living through your art. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. Um, one of my favorite art quotes is, um, I think it's Pablo Picasso said, "Art is the lie which enables us to see the truth." It's like I like that a lot. That's spot on, especially yeah. for what we were just yeah, talking no, about. No one would decompose that beautifully, but. It's fun to think about. It is fun to think about. Do you have Do you have a favorite like painter? As far as somebody who I know that paints, that I really enjoy her work, uh, Sarah Steber. Do you know her? Mm-hmm. She's from San Diego. Um, I did a show with her at Felix Coldplay Gallery or something. No, nope, that's here. Yeah. What? Um, dang, I forgot what the gallery was. Anyway, it was like while I was still in college down there. Touch your um, stuff. She does these really vibrant portraits, and they're oftentimes, like, in pools and stuff. They're really cool. Um, and she's just, like, an endlessly joyous person and um, just really incredible. So I like to try to be inspired by by people that are still with us. I do, too. Yeah. I am very much about that. And I like to try to celebrate people that are still with us because yeah. there's no point in paying three billion dollars for a painting great-grandchildren of that person gets to enjoy mm-hmm. it's like well they didn't paint that so <laughs> yeah i uh i went to a van gogh exhibit in new york we got in for free it was really cool great. um but they were talking about showing how much all these pieces went for and then it was like adding it up and i was like okay just van gogh himself has made people like <sighs> billions and billions of dollars like not an exaggeration just yep these estates and stuff like that. Oh. It's a weird thought. Yes. Meanwhile, people look at, you know, my work. and Oh, my gosh, I can't believe that so much. Or, you know, like going to a music show and bitching about a $10 cover. It's like, are you kidding me? Yeah. <laughs> like, it just makes you want to shake people. Yeah. And then... It's like... Yeah, then as soon as, uh, as soon as a musician dies and everybody starts giving a shit. or mm-hmm. Put your money where your mouth is. Yeah. 
I completely agree. And um, yeah, it, it's just the weirdest thing when people like ask for drum lessons and stuff like that. And I tell them my prices, which are pretty much like everybody else's. And they're like, oh my yeah. God. I've definitely taken the yes and my rate is <laughs> yeah yeah it, it, that the, the start of the conversation to that just gets shorter and shorter yep. as you kind of stop yep. giving so much of a shit well and 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 the more that you're confronted with uh the price gouging and and whatever mm. the, the you know uh, it's just it's really easy to me now to just yep this is my rate like if you don't like that, somebody else is going to pay it, so. Mm-hmm. I, uh, just because there's, like, artists and creators and stuff that listen to this, I, I think there is a kind of interesting thing about the psychological aspects of undercharging your prices. Oh. Have you heard about that? It's, like, a, it's a thing. It's, no. It's what? literally... Yes, please tell me. Um, so if, if you're looking for certain kinds of customers that don't necessarily complain or are, are just better customers and seem happier and they just trust you with mm-hmm. the work, usually you only really get those people if you're charging like uh, mid-level, upper echelon prices. Mm-hmm. And the less you charge people in general, the more those sort of people will ask of mm. you because they assume that you're, you're kind of just doing a bunch of charity. <laughs> yeah. And oh. there is an aspect to that. Yeah. Not saying for anybody listening, like go charge people a bunch of money. But I am. I'm saying go charge people a bunch of money. Okay, cool. Or at least charge what you're worth. That's just it. Just know your worth. Yeah, exactly. If you don't start under- undercharge just because you can, mm-hmm. or because your husband's a doctor, or because you're a trust fund baby. Because what you're doing is you're driving the price of art down for all the people that are trying to make a living doing it. Mm-hmm. And it's hard work. It takes and a it's lot. It's hard work. Yeah, how, it looks fun. But... How often are you in the studio, just out of curiosity? or, or kind uh, of Every day. Every day? Yeah, I'm in a studio every day. I work so much. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it makes sense. You, you, you gotta, if you're going to do that. Mm-hmm. You can work a nine-to-five over the hill, you know, in but Silicon again, Valley. But again, there are things that feel like work, and then there are things that don't feel like work, but are work, but they don't feel like work. So mm-hmm. it feels like... And you still get to put something out there in the world yeah. that you love and you learned from. Yep, exactly. And that's that's the beauty of it. Yeah. And your and your work is really incredible. Oh well, thank you. Yeah, it's it it absolutely is, and I, I've seen the the prices that you're asking for stuff, and I'm like that, hundred percent makes sense. I I would never think anything oh, other than that. Well, thank you. I literally just made a formula, and I have an Excel spreadsheet, and I type in the time it takes to do certain things and I type in the material cost and I type in everything and it all just calculates it for me and that's the number that pops out and that's how I charge for things. It is very I love that. cut and dry because yeah, at the end of the day, it's work. Then, it, then it's not art so subjective. Work. It's not art play. Yeah, it, that, exactly. <laughs> Back to it. Yeah. Um, yeah, only, I mean, by the way, thank you for taking the time to do this. Oh, yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, that, I mean, absolutely, this has been really fun. I have a few more questions, just kind of want to get into the to the deeper stuff and then the fun stuff, and then... Um, so you talked about community kind of being an aspect of your work. Mm-hmm. And I guess first would be, let's, let's talk about your jewelry a little bit. You say, and I think it was one of your... Um, on your website so you're like I try to make it accessible to people as, as a different 
I guess just different to these these sculptures that not everybody can have. Yeah, not everybody can afford or wants a $10,000 piece of artwork that sits and collects dust, you know? Which is great. <laughs> yeah, That's like, fine. <laughs> like when you say it out I loud. totally understand that, you yeah. know? But both, both ends of that spectrum. Like, mm-hmm. um, and so I started making jewelry as a way to make tiny wearable sculptures that people can you know, wear on their neck or on their arms. And, and they are, I would say that they're more accessible. They're not necessarily like, it's not the cheapest jewelry you're going to find. Like you're, this isn't Claire's. You're getting nice jewelry. You're getting, you're nice, getting nice jewelry. It's sterling or bronze jewelry. And, and I purposefully don't work in gold unless it's a commission because of that. I try to keep the jewelry cost price low because I want people to be able to own a tiny little sculpture of mine that, you know, can't afford a big sculpture of mine. Yeah. And people just want to wear something really cool. Yeah. That's, that's cool. So how, how do people find that? How would they kind of reach out for those? Um, well, I have a online store. I have uh, Whatnot Studios and it's spelled what cannot, like a, like a, a boat knot. Boat knot. Um, and yeah, everything is online there. I'm actually upping my prices with all of my jewelry coming up here, I think next month. So cool. This is coming I'm, out next week. Great. So great. Well, get while the getting's good people, <laughs> um, because my prices are going up. I recently did a reevaluation of all of my cost of goods and things like that. And, you know, websites are expensive and they are. Everything. Everything has a cost. Yeah. Yeah. And And inflation has risen over 10% in the last year alone. So, Mm -hmm. you know, you're going to see that everywhere. Yeah. Fuck Uh, the supply chain. Those boats. Yeah. It's true. Um, But anyway, so I actually recently just sent a newsletter out. I have a a newsletter. I send out one email a month. It's actually the best way to keep in in contact with me. Um, and figure out what I'm doing. So, um, and there's a sign up for that on, on whatnot studios, uh, com. But I sent out a newsletter at the beginning of this month, uh, beginning of February saying like, I'm, I'm giving everyone a chance that has been looking at my work for the last 10 years to buy stuff before my prices go up. Cause I think that that is the most honorable thing. And I like transparency. So, yeah. Yeah. The the support in the community, I kind of wanted to go quickly into just like commissions, mm-hmm. what the community means to you, um, how Can, you give back. Yeah. And... Community is everything to me. I think, you know, growing up with my mom being so immersed in our little community when I was a kid and like I lived on a cul-de-sac growing up and, and I just, my mom used to throw like these fat parties like once a year and like shut down the whole block and like just coming together and realizing like just we're all in this together is really important to me and like definitely a huge your parents um, sound fun they're really cool i'm actually my dad's coming up here on tuesday i'm giving a talk at um 780 valencia which is a gallery i have silla in right now um and it's his birthday that i'm giving the talk on he's like i'm coming up so i'm like really excited to see him my parents are when great. When is that? Uh, is this that, like, Tuesday. Open to the public? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, shit. Yeah. That sounds cool. Yeah. Uh, it's just like a short talk. There's a bunch of other artists also talking about their work. Um, I'm so okay. 
Backtrack. I'm yeah. in a show up in San Francisco, 780 Valencia, with, um, I think there's like upwards of 50 other artists, and all of the work pertains to climate change. And I have Scylla in that show, and I'm giving a talk about how she relates to climate change in that way. Um, which is a whole other conversation that I will be talking about on Tuesday. Yeah. But anyway, so uh, I'm really excited about that, and it'll be really fun, and it's really fun to hear about other artists' inspirations and things, which you know all about, because... That's why I'm here. That's why I'm here, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, just going on to, I guess, the, the, the commissions, like, how do you... How do you go about this this community aspect? Yeah, and... so commission work is generally, uh, so far, I mean, all I been... I through the city specifically, because people will hit you up randomly through your website. Yeah, or... it's it's always word of mouth. Like, the best That's clients awesome. that I get are always somebody told somebody told somebody that I could do this thing, and and I've gotten connected with so many great people and, like, great clients through that, that, you know your best advocates are your friends in your community and people that want you to thrive and want to support you. And so like I have found that the best way to do that is to have a big, awesome community of people. And I don't know. I just, I think if we could all transition from this like mentality of competing into a mentality of all helping each other rise together, then it's going to be just such a better existence yeah I mean, it is a world of abundance you know it doesn't mm-hmm. have to be uh i'm better than you yep. you can yeah heard... that, that, that's so cool that you have that relationship with alex and darcy too mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and that makes sense because he has her similar mediums you yep. know and the more that they succeed the more that i succeed the better off we all are together so that's, that's the truth yeah um yeah. deep question mm-hmm. what is your idea of success doesn't have to be deep. Ooh. Uh, my idea of success. Being content with what you have. If you're not growing, you're dying. Yeah. It's sure. always been like a philosophy. Like you're saying, like I I have all these like little one liner things and it's really just yeah, the, what the things I'm trying to tell myself more mm-hmm. than anything. You know? Um my my dad that's gonna be here next week, I'm really excited about uh he I grew up, oh, he always had these, like, little one-liners, you know, like, oh, if you're worried about what people think of you, don't, because they seldom do, and, you know, um, <laughs> it's none of my business what other people think of me, and all these little, like, quirky comeback one-liner, you know, just, I don't know, life mottos, yeah, I guess. Yeah, little inspirations, and, inspiration nuggets. And I think it's a really good reminder of, like, who you are, where you came from, and where you're going, and, like... Being able to to zoom out is an important way to move forward. I agree, and uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm very happy that your dad's gonna get to come out. Yeah, I know. I wish exciting. my mom was coming too, but next time, life's a bitch, and then you die. <laughs> There's another one liner right there. <laughs> um, any people you'd like to shout out here at the end? Anybody uh, come to mind, or people that you know, anybody who's interested in maybe getting into metal work. Oh, I don't know. Like, if you are like interested myself. in getting into metal work, uh, email me. Okay. I don't know. I'm happy to help. Like I said, I'm, I, I want to facilitate people doing what they love and building community and making it about growth and not about 
like, oh, trade secrets. Yeah. I'm like, I'm really over that. Question for myself, where do I learn how to do this? Is there somebody um, I can go to that like teaches that you recommend? Cabrillo is such a great resource. Do they have? Oh my gosh, yeah. They have uh, metal smithing classes. They have forging. They have jewelry. That's where I learned how to make jewelry was Cabrillo. I have no idea. Okay. Um, and... Guys uh, looking up classes and just... Yeah. Doing... Well, they, they have... So they have like the semester program where you can take a class over the period of semester. But they also have like all these little workshops and, and just... That sounds more like me. Yeah, there's there's a lot of great resources there, and, and there has been a really great community. I'm not entirely sure what it's like anymore, um, but I know that there's some, some great people there that are teaching classes. I still hear great things about Cabrillo, so I'm, I'm sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Great school. Totally, yeah. Beautiful campus. Yeah, it's yep. got a nice view. It's both of our campuses here in Santa Cruz, Cabrillo and UCSC, are just like the they most. They are right. There's a reason they hold their like tours in the springtime. It is just a magical wonderland up there in it the is. spring. Yeah, you have deer uh, walking around. Yeah. Yep. Uh, well, Courtney, this has been super fun. Thank yeah. you for coming over. And you Thank can you find so you at Courtney Renee Scruggs on Instagram and WhatNotStudios.com, right? What not studio? What studios.com. And yeah, very excited for uh, all this. And yeah, I would love to see your work at the gallery. That'd be really cool. Yeah. So. Yeah. Oh, and wait. Yes, yes. Allie Webster. Allie she's Webster. The one. She's the shit. And right. you guys sailed together. Yeah, I I actually hired her on Chardonnay. So yeah, our our mutual friend, who's our mutual ray of sunshine. Yes personification she's, of sunshine she's the best and she's very very supportive of me she's like i listen to your podcast like i don't even listen to podcasts then <laughs> i'm just i'm just there for it i'm like oh yeah yeah thanks she's Allie. Good. yeah a little shout out to Allie. yeah we'll send her this bit right now yeah all right anything else if you enjoyed the show consider becoming a patron on patreon.com early access to episodes bonus interviews and much more Head to patreon.com slash breaking north. That's patreon.com slash breaking north. There is not a person out there that wouldn't like to learn to play the drums. Learn to play the drums from a working professional over Zoom. It's never been easier to book an affordable lesson than going to zendrummond.com. From seasoned professionals to those who haven't made the leap to buying their first kit. Learn to play your favorite music. Head on over to zendrummond.com to book a free consultation and two discounted intro lessons. Life is a hell of a lot more fun when you play some drums. Would you like to see more stories of artists, creators, and characters that we love? Sign up for the Breaking North newsletter. To sign up, click the link in the show notes. Be sure to like, subscribe, and leave a review if you like the show. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of the Zen Prey Project. Make sure to follow the Zen Prey Project on Instagram. Leave us a review for any of the episodes that you liked and consider sharing this with a friend that might be interested in this sort of show. We'll see you next time.